Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. Would you just answer already? Right? Anybody get that feeling with that little video? And uh, I wonder if that's how we, uh, God looks at us sometimes and says, would you just answer already? Hey, I want to ask uh, a favor of you. And then, uh, first of all, welcome to Palm Sunday here at Harvest Ridge. We sang Hosanna. And if you don't know what that means, it literally means save us now. It's a request. Save us now. So, um, and, and, and that is a request that I think we have uh, even today, our world's in crazy enough environment that it's save us now, Lord. Please come, show up, show your power, save us now. So have you ever judged a situation too quickly? Yep. Yeah. For, oh, oh, I forgot. I, I like to start this way. I, my boss told me to have a good day, so I went home. <laughs> and this is because I love dad jokes. When does a joke become a dad joke? When it becomes a parent. All right. You ever judge the situation too quickly? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've been known to do that. Uh, maybe you have too. Judge the situation too quickly. I got a, a buddy I work out with every week, and we were working out this week, and, um, and uh, he was telling me a story. He owns a shop, and I'll just throw him under the bus. It's Dan, and he owns a shop. And some guy called him the other day on the phone and started asking about a product. And Dan said something apparently that he thought the guy got ticked off and hung up on him. So he said something, the guy didn't like it, and he hung up on him. So anyway, all right, that's going on. So Dan, here Dan is. He's mad at this guy having hung up on him. And a couple of days later, the dude walks in the store. And Dan's like, you hung up on me. And he's looking for a time, you know, to sort of blast him for hanging up on him, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about here? Y'all following me? And he's, he, he's mad at him for having hung up and he's blasting him and uh, in his head. And what happens is, is right in the middle of this, right in the middle of this, uh, the guy picks something up and the phone rings and he picks up the phone. And when he picks up the phone, he's talking on the phone and he's talking along and then... Mid-discussion, this guy that Dan's mad at drops his phone, looks at it and says, I hate this phone. It keeps hanging up on calls and for no reason it hangs up on him. So, Dan then said he felt like a total idiot, especially when the guy grabbed a bunch of the things they were talking about on the phone and bought a really, really big purchase. What he did was he judged the situation too quickly and he took things for granted he didn't know about. Now, what we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about a story, uh, John chapter 12, and then we're going to go to Luke, or I'm sorry, Mark chapter 14. Between those two passages, what we're going to look at is we're going to look at a story that the people in the room judge the situation way too quickly. So uh, let's do this. Before we get there, uh, the sermon series is an answer, and I'm going to ask you if you would to stand to your feet in honor of God's Word, and we're all going to read this passage together. Would, could we look at it? It's right up here on the screen. Would you mind uh, reading out loud with me? Can we all do that together? It'd be sort of fun, right? Right? All right, here we go. Look, I stand at the door and knock. 
If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Now, this sermon text, this text is saying that God is making a call for you and I to become friends, for him and you to become his friend. He wants you to be his friend. But what do you have to do? You have to answer. You got to answer. So, Father, I pray that today you would help us to answer. I pray that you would help me speak words that illuminate the Scriptures and that our hearts would be illuminated by the power of the Holy Spirit. There isn't any way under God's green earth I can say anything that's going to change anybody's eternity. But you can. So we ask you to do it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Turn and give somebody a big smile before you're seated. Give them a big smile. Let them know that uh, if you're online... There's your smile. So our, our story today is about one of those instances in Scripture where a person is judged for what they did, and, um, and they're judged really quickly, and, and it's like there are parts of the story that nobody knows about. So um, it's about a woman who felt compelled to act out of love, kindness, and devotion, but she was instantly condemned by those in the room. And uh, God teaches us that sometimes we need to be instant in our obedience regardless of what others' perception of us is. So there are two key anchors that will help us understand the story. The first key anchor is the time and the location of the story, the time and the location. Now in John, it's going to say this story happened in Bethany, and it's going to say six days before the, uh, the lamb was to be sacrificed for the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And when I read this the first time, I thought there was a contradiction between them and how do we deal with it. And then I realized what was being said. So can we just look at that passage from John chapter 12, verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany. So when did Jesus come to Bethany? Six days before the Passover. He went to Bethany where Lazarus lived, which is a cool story whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Now sometime while he was there, it wasn't six days at that point, it was sometime he stayed that entire week in Bethany, and sometime while he was there, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. So you'll understand in a couple of minutes. A, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Now Martha served, so we're going to introduce some people, key, key players. Martha, who's doing what? What's Martha doing? Serving. Serving. Who else is there? Lazarus was there, was among those reclining at the table. And then Mary took a pint of pure nard and expensive perfume and poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. It's sort of interesting. This passage says that it was Jesus' feet, but it's very, very clear from the other passages we're going to read that it wasn't just his feet, it was his hair. And that's going to matter. It was his head and his hair. All right? So she poured it on his feet and... She poured it on his, his hair as well. Now Mary, um, let me see. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, so we're given knowledge that nobody in the room knew at that time. You got that? Nobody knew this. Um, who was later to betray him, objected. And he said, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It's worth a year's wages. Now, we'll come back to that in a minute. But I just want you to see who's doing the complaining? Judas. Judas is. Yeah, and he's saying we should have given it to the poor. 
Look at verse 6, though. This is our, our knowledge that gets explained to us, help us understand. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she would save this perfume for my what? Burial. So it was intended that the perfume was to be for his burial, but yet it's being used now. Can we go back to verse 3 real quick? Mary took about a pint of pure nard, expensive perfume, poured it on Jesus' feet, and wiped his feet with her hair. And notice this phrase, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Now, we'll come back to these thoughts, but let's just talk about who's there that day. First person we know that's there is a guy named Lazarus. And what do we know about Lazarus? Just the previous chapter, this guy named Lazarus had been dead. They put him in a tomb, and Jesus called out, Lazarus, come forth. In case you're wondering why he called Lazarus, come forth, because if he had said, come forth, all of the graves would have busted open, but he, he had to call the right one. Lazarus, come forth. And what happened was they opened up. He'd been there four days. He was starting to stink, is what they said. And they rolled the tomb away, the stone away from the tomb. And Lazarus came out still with his hands and feet. My favorite part of the story, his hands and feet were still bound. And he still had a face cloth over his face. And he was coming out like this. And everybody's looking at him. And he can barely walk and barely move because, I mean, he's all bound up. And he can't see where he's going. And the Jesus' first words were what? Take the grave clothes off him. Listen, can I just talk to you for a second? Just, just for a second. Jesus may have saved you, but you're still wearing your grave clothes. If you believed in Jesus, he became your Lord. But, but a lot of us, we made Jesus our Lord. He saved us and he gave us an eternity and future. But we're still walking around wearing the grave clothes. We're still, we're still wearing the stinky clothes that we were in there with. And we're still covered up and we can't see and we can't run and we can't move and we can't use our hands. And we're bound up by our death. But Jesus, the first thing he said was, set him free of all of that. And I want you to know today, Jesus wants to take the shame off of you. He wants to free your hands. He wants to free your feet. It's one thing to save you and give you new life. He wants to do more than that. He wants you to be free so you don't have to live like you're still in the tomb anymore. God wants you to step out of that old life into his new. So Lazarus was there. And Mary, he had two sisters. Lazarus had two sisters. One was named Martha and the other Mary. And Martha is, I, I, I like Martha, okay? I like Martha. I married a Martha. I intentionally, when I was looking for a wife, I did not look for a Mary. I looked for a Martha. You know why? Because Marthas get things done. Who was serving? Come on. Martha. Mary wasn't. What was Martha doing? Martha was taking care of business. Martha was getting things done. Martha is the one who is organized. She's hardworking. She's conscientious. She's strong-willed. By the way, she's the first one in the Bible to call Jesus the Messiah. So she has faith, but she exhibits it differently. Her way of exhibiting faith is to work. And by the way, the kingdom of God is built on the backs of Martha's. And if you're Martha in this place and you're like, I'm always working, I'm always serving, and that's who you are. I just want to tell you, I, I respect people like you. But there's another one there, and it's Mary. And I didn't marry a Mary for a reason. Because Mary is emotional. And she feels everything. 
And she's, she's extravagant and flowery and out there. And she brings the gifts of the nard to Jesus and breaks it and wipes her hair. And she is all of this stuff. And I didn't marry a Martha. I, I didn't marry a Mary because I am a Mary. <laughs> you got to have a Martha and you got to have a Mary because somebody's got to take care of all the details, right? <laughs> So Mary, is, she's the emotional one, she's the loving one, the devoted one. She's all in all the time. She comes to Jesus and she anoints him. We'll get into a second what she did, but she poured perfume on him. By the way, here, hold on. It was a bottle, about a pint, a very expensive aromatic nard, and it was an alabaster box, and it was very expensive, about a year's wages. We'll come back to that in a second. But she takes this perfume, and she just pours it. Now, what... Judas Iscariot was there, and after the fact, we find out that he was a thief, and he was trying to sell it. He wanted to sell it so he could get money because he wanted the money. We know there was money in Jesus' bag, right? You know how we know? When the, about time to feed the 5,000, the disciples said, hey, should we take our money and go buy food for all these people? They had some money. And Judas, he'd just skim a little bit off the top. Nobody will miss it. Nobody will know. There was his attitude. Because, you see, Judas, it wasn't enough to walk with Jesus. He had to get something else out of it. Well, anyway, one, one more thing about this story, then we'll go to Mark. The other thing about this story is John writes a statement in this letter that tells me that John actually wrote this letter because he throws in that phrase, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Now, you don't write that unless you're there because <laughs> he's writing along and he said, yeah, she broke this and, and you could see his eyes sort of glaze over and he goes back to the moment because John was one of those passionate lovers too. And he's like, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Any, anybody ever smelled a song smell that takes you back? Yeah. All right, so uh, when I smell a fresh cut hay fill, I go back. I go back, anyway, it doesn't matter where I go back to. But I'll tell you one other smell that gets me is the smell of a baking cake. Because you see, when I was, uh, when I was younger, my mom and dad, they had some marriage is issues. And my mom was being tempted and it was a, a difficult moment. And uh, my mom and dad were, they were on the verge of a divorce. And me and my brother, we knew it was going to happen. And we actually went to him one day and said, hey, when you guys get divorced, we want to go with dad. And, uh, the, you know, it was typical two boys, seven, eight years old, talking to their parents. And, uh, mom decided she didn't like that, so she was going to do something about it. So every Wednesday night, she would send me and my brother and my dad to church, and we would go to Roll Rangers, and my mom would stay at the house. And do y'all remember back when we used to have stereos that were like this big? And there, it was more like a piece of furniture, and inside it had the big 33 player, and she would put on some worship albums that she had, and she'd put them on that old scratchy vinyl 33 and, and start up playing, and she would kneel before it. I know she was fasting and praying for months, and on Wednesday night she would kneel there, and she would pray, and she would cry out to God for God to bring change and deliverance and help and strength. And she'd do one other thing. She'd bake a cake so when me 
And my dad and my brothers came, my brother came home. We always had a cake freshly baked. And I remember more than once walking up to the door, opening the door to my house and being greeted by the aroma of a freshly baked cake. But more than that, I was met with the tangible presence of the Holy Spirit where a woman had sought God for her world to change instead of running away from it. And I tell you that story as an encouragement because there's some of you, you need to spend some time fasting and praying and seeking God like that. God can deliver. By the way, my mom and dad stayed married until their 56th year. God's able to do miracles. So the room was filled with the fragrance. And John went back to that moment of the tangible Holy Spirit and the smell. So what's the purpose of the story? Well, let's, the purpose of the story is, really, I've just got one point today, and I'm just telling you the story so you'll get the one point when I'm done. But to do that, we need to go to Mark. Now, in, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the one that normally writes the shortest version of any story is, is Mark. Mark is very concise. Peter was the one that helped dictate the, the book of Mark, and it's very concise. You know, Peter was an action dude, right? So when he told stories, he told it action-wise. Well, Mark is recording um, in Rome. He's recording Peter before he dies. He's recording the, the words and works of Jesus through Peter's eyes, and it's always short and compact except for this story. This story is actually longer than every other, <laughs> every other one of the stories we have in the gospel of this, and uh, I think it's interesting because uh, this was a, a moment that had an impact on Peter as well. Um, Mark chapter 14, verse 1. Now the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread was two days away. Remember, Jesus arrived in Bethany six days, but four days later, they have this meal. And the chief priests and the teacher of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and not kill him. But they didn't want to do it during the festival, they said, or the people may riot, because everybody thought Jesus, well, imagine, he fed them, he healed them, he spoke the word of God to them. Yeah, all right. So while he was in Bethany, reclining at the table at the home of Simon the leper, Simon the leper may actually be uh, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha's dad. It's a very strong possibility, just for you to think about. A woman... By the way, it's unnamed here. She's unnamed. A woman came with an alabaster jar, a very expensive perfume made of pure nard. And she, what did she do? She broke the jar. She broke it. And she poured the perfume on his head. On his head. On his head. Now, some of those present were saying to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages. Notice it could have. You notice how naysayers are always talking about what could have been, not what is. It could have been sold for more than a year's wages of money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. By the way, the word there, rebuked her harshly, um, is like a, a, anybody ever been deer hunting and had a, a deer like get mad at you and snort at you? Anybody ever? All right, maybe a horse. You ever had a horse snort at you? All right, that's what the actual word in, they, they snorted at her. They, 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 were, they were pretty rude to her. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She's done a beautiful thing. The poor you always have with you, and you can help them 
anytime you want. But you will not always have me. She, what, what does that say? She what? She did what she could. I love this. I love this. Because anybody ever feel like, I, I would love to change the world. I want to make an impact. I want to do something to fix Washington and Ukraine. And Anybody ever feel that way other than me? You'd love to change it. You'd love to do something. By the way, you can't. But you know what you can do? You can do what you can. Quit doing nothing because you think it doesn't matter. Why don't you just do what you can? And what you can do is you can be light and hope in the world, and you can give, and you can serve, and quit complaining all the time and be a part of the answer rather than a part of all the complaints. She did what she could. By the way, God doesn't ask you to do what you cannot do. He only asks you to do what you can do. She did what she could. She poured the perfume on my body beforehand. Why? To prepare him for what? His burial. What's she preparing him for, everybody? Listen, what's she preparing himself for? His burial. She's preparing his body for burial. That's key. Huh. Truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then, notice there's a then there. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. This was the thing that pushed Judas over the edge. Jesus letting some woman waste money and perfume. It seems to me that Judas was a pretty selfish guy that judged everybody else and didn't take care of his own house. He didn't do what he could do. He was just trying to do what favored him in the moment. And you've got a choice. You've got a choice in here today. Are you going to be a Judas complaining about everybody else making excuses, being selfish and narcissistic about the problem, you know, put money in the bag so I can get a little bit out? Are you going to be that kind of person? Are you going to be a Mary? Are you going to be a person that's giving, serving, loving, maybe a little extravagant and says, God, I'm all in. If you tell me to do it, I'm all in for you. You've got a choice. And the choice is yours. So God prompted Mary to do something extravagant. So Mary took a bottle of expensive room. How expensive was it? Well, it says about a year's wages. So what I did was I looked it up, and the literal, well, a day of work for a person during this time period, a day of work, they got a denarii, and it says it was about 300 denarii. With any days off, it would be appropriately, if we were to put it in today's terms, and you made 15 bucks an hour, it would be a year's worth of your wages. 15 bucks an hour is probably about $30,000 for that thing that she, 30,000 could yeah, it's a lot of money, right? So she took $30,000 worth of perfume because nard was, by, by the way, wasn't made in that portion of the world. I, I don't want to get geeky on you. It's made way over in India, and they had to bring it in in special bottles so that it wouldn't rot and wouldn't stink. And once you broke it open, it was a short time for you to use it. But the, all of that's just geek stuff that I don't need to tell you about. But it isn't the money that counts. Because just a couple of chapters earlier, Jesus was talking about a woman who only had a couple of pennies and threw them in to the offering and said, this woman is given more than all the others because she gave all she had. 
it's not how much you give. It's the attitude with which you give it. Is it, I'll give you everything, God, or is it, I'll give you a little bit and then I'll pull out of the purse a little bit for me? I didn't mean to get off on money. I wasn't even going to talk about money. But come on, some of you, money is your God. You walk into church and you hear, they only want my money. No, if we only wanted your money, we would spend more time talking about money. You know what we spend time talking about? How God wants to restore you and give you a real life and a hope and a future. And if you think we're only after your money, it's because you have a problem. I did not mean to do that. That is not in my notes. But I'm just saying that because somebody in here, you got a problem and God's calling you out right now. He's calling you out. Why don't you deal with it? Quit being a Judas. Be a Mary. Come on. Life's a whole lot better on the Mary side than the Judas side. So what did she do? She took the jar and she broke it. And then she poured it out. Now, And you know what? Judas starts complaining. He starts complaining about this money. Why did you do that? He's complaining after the fact, isn't he? It's already poured out. Does anybody want to come up here and get a drink of that? No, you don't. It's poured out. You're not putting it back in the bottle. Am I correct? There isn't going back in the bottle. It's wet. It's on the floor. It's messed up. It's spread around. It, you know what it's going to do? It's going to do what it's going to do where it's at. And why is it that we like to complain about what's already happened all the time? The Judas attitude is always complaining about what's happened and never looks about what could happen. Can I, can I talk to you? I was thinking and I was working through the sermon. And I started thinking about all the places in the Bible where Jesus talked to people. And you know, I could not think of a single time where Jesus rebuked somebody for what they did. Every time somebody came to him, what did he say? You know, the woman caught in adultery? Where are those that condemn you? I don't condemn you. And then what did he say? Go and sin no more. You know, the woman at the well, she came to him. You've had five husbands, the one you have now, that's not even your husband. He didn't say, you lousy person. He said, I who speak to you can give you life so that you can have life forever. You know what I noticed about Jesus when he talked to Matthew, when he talked to Zacchaeus, when he talked to everybody that was a sinner, other than the Pharisees? The Pharisees who rebuked them because their hearts were hard and they weren't listening at all. And they wouldn't recognize how much they needed him. But to anybody that recognized they were messed up, Jesus never said, put the water back in the bottle. He never said, undo your sin. You know what he said? I don't condemn you. I forgive you. I am going to the cross to forgive you of what you have done. You can be free of what you have done. Now you've got a choice. Will you move into your future with me? Will you go and sin no more? All right, so let's, um, let's go back to this real quick. They were judging her harshly for pouring out the perfume, and it was lavish. It was out there. It was extravagant. Why, why'd she do that? Because she poured the perfume where? On his head. Now, if you grew up in ancient Israel, you didn't go to the barber every day. You actually grew hair. As a matter of fact, the law said you weren't allowed to cut this portion of your hair. So guys would walk around. Hasidic Jews still do it to this day. They walk around. But they probably had longer hair. And when when Mary put that perfume on Jesus' head, it soaked into his hair. 
Now, if you don't take a shower every day, come on, anybody ever know anybody that you, when you meet them, you walk in and you like greet them. It's funny. <laughs> we're sitting down here and the laugh was, is uh, we're sitting there talking and somebody smells good in the area. <laughs> and uh, Nicole said, hey, who's got that nice smelling perfume on? And she moved around and she said, oh, it's me. <laughs> You ever meet anybody, though, that they don't just put perfume on, they like take a bath in it? And you walk up to them and you're like, "Woo! should have taken a bath sometime this week because that perfume is overwhelming, right? You showered this morning. Thank you for that. No, but, but you know what I'm talking about. You ever met a guy that like bays in cologne and you walk up to him and you're like, dude, come on, back it off a little bit. Anybody... All right, y'all know what I'm talking about? Now imagine taking the most expensive aromatic perfume you could get, putting it on your hair. So Jesus, what's going on there is the perfume was dumped on his head. And I want to help you change your perspective because some of you, some of you are still like this picture. You're still seeing the wrong thing. This is, a, this is about perspective. The disciples, especially Jesus, were looking at the wrong thing. How many of you see what? Uh, what are there, nine horses there? How many of you see nine horses? They're not horses, though. They're zebras. Do you know they're zebras? Yeah, but, but you aren't looking at them. You think they're horses. You think they're black horses. They're not. They're black and white zebras. Do you know what you're seeing? What you're seeing is the wrong perspective. You're looking at their shadow, thinking it's the real thing, when the real horses, the real zebras are upright. See right down below every one of them? There's a zebra. Oh, wow. See, what we do that a lot. We look at situations. We look at this story, and you know what we see? We see Mary pouring out the perfume on Jesus' head, and you know what we think? We think, oh, she poured out perfume. You know what we miss? What she was actually doing. And before I tell you what she was actually doing, if you need communion and you don't have a communion element we're about to receive together, we have open communion at Harvest Ridge. You don't have to be a member to participate. We just ask simply you reverence the moment. If you need a communion element, just raise your hand. This guy back here, he'll get you. We got some people that'll get you. Uh, Herb, we got somebody up here that needs some help. All right. So what happened? What happened was when she put the expensive perfume on Jesus' head, this was about 36 hours before he was crucified. He didn't go home and wash his hair. No, he went home and he went to bed. And that night when he laid his head down on the pillow, I'm sure the aroma of the perfume was all around his head. And he laid his head down and all he could smell was the perfume reminding him that he was anointed for his burial. So he wakes up the next morning and the next morning as he goes about his business, every time he moves his head, every time that they ask him a question, Jesus, where are we going to eat the Passover? He says, go to this room and make it ready. And when he does like that, the aroma of his hair, the aroma of that perfume reminds him that he was anointed for his burial. And then that night when they're at the Last Supper and they're sitting around the table and he, uh, he grabs the bread and he says... This bread is my body, which is broken for you. And I'm sure he emphasized, and when he did, his hair moved. And there was an aroma of that perfume of his burial as he talked about his body being broken. When he took the cup, and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. And he turned his head, he smelled. The whole house was probably still filled with the smell 
of his hair. And when he turned to Judas and he said, go ahead and do what you're going to do, the aroma of his burial came across his face into his nostrils. After they left, they went out to Gethsemane. And as they were at Gethsemane, Jesus fell on his knees and he cried out, Father, if possible, take this cup from me. And then he lifted his head and he got a whiff of his own burial. And he says, oh, but nevertheless, not what I will, your will be done. And when they came and they arrested him and they shook him and they pulled him and he moved and the aroma of his hair came across his face, he was reminded he was he was anointed for his burial. And when they took him, every time they asked him a question and slapped him in the face or hit him with a whip and his head shook, he was a aroma of his burial. And when they took him out and he carried his own cross every time he would fall and the hair would slap across his face, he could smell the aroma of his own burial. Every single moment, a confirmation that God had a plan. And when he hung up on the cross, every time he lurched up to get a breath of air, he could hear, fell, smell the aroma of his hair and of his burial in his, in his nostrils. And for 36 hours before he died, until the moment he cried, it is finished, every breath he was surrounded with the aroma of his burial. It was a reminder that God knew what he was doing by prompting a woman to be extravagant in her gift of love. But it was more than that. It was a reminder that he wouldn't stay in the tomb because he had to be anointed for his burial before he was crucified because after when they went to put perfume on him, he was alive. His victory was prophesied every moment. Every moment. And one woman's extravagant act of worship was a confirmation of God's power and victory through every step of the death, crucifixion, trial, and Gethsemane. What I want to tell you today is when you step into the extravagance God has for you, when you answer and you say, yes, I'm all in. God will enable you to not only step into that kind of confirmation and grace, but he'll give it to the people in your world around you. But it's your choice. It's your call. Will you go all in? Or are you going to continue to make excuses like Judas? Which is it? Father, we thank you today for the opportunity to celebrate communion. We thank you that you died upon the cross and your body was broken so that we could live. And we pray that today, in the name of Jesus, as we receive this bread, it would be a reminder to us that you have given extravagantly to us so we have no reason to withhold from you. You deserve all of our lives. All of it. Not the parts we're comfortable with, but all of it. In the name of Jesus, amen. I invite you to partake of the bread with me. It says in the scriptures that after supper, Jesus took the cup. And he said, this is the new covenant in my blood, which is given for you. And a new covenant means that this is a new blessing. No longer, I quote the Old Testament, 
no longer will your sins be remembered. The prophecy is he will do a new thing. And the new thing is his forgiveness, his love and mercy. Jesus never, never, ever, ever condemned anybody for their past. But he gave them a hope for a new future. And I want to invite you right now to step out of your addictions, to step out of your shame, step out of your grief, step out of all the things that you wish were different, and to step in to the new covenant of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray today in this room, those who have never accepted your life and your plan for them right now, they would step into it in the name of Jesus and receive the new covenant. Amen. Amen. Let's partake together. I asked them to sing the bridge of that song, Hosanna, again, because it works. Heal my heart and make it clean. Open up my eyes to the things unseen. Show me how to love like you have loved me. That's our prayer today. We're going to conclude in a moment by singing Hosanna, but I just want to... Hosanna, by the way, you know means save us now. God, save us. Help, 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 help. Jesus came so that those who don't think they need help would be smacked down. And those who do think they need help would get it. And if you cry out to Jesus and you ask him for help... He's not going to turn you away. He's going to receive you. He's going to love you. He's going to give you help. I don't know about you. Maybe you're more holy than me and you're all righteous and pure, but I sure need some help today. Anybody else need some help? Yeah? So Palm Sunday, it's a great thing to cry out help. Here's what we're going to do. When we start singing this song again, if you're a parent, remember, we've got an Easter egg hunt. Go up through the kids area up here and go get your kids and take them out for the Easter egg hunt.